is risen. He is risen indeed. Man, it is great uh, to be here with you all on this Easter Sunday morning. You know, you may be stuck at home, but Jesus was not stuck in the tomb. You, you may be quarantined, but not even Mayor Lightfoot could keep Jesus in the grave, church. All right, y'all with me today, man. Hey, I'm glad to be here with you all. I'm excited about uh, just opening God's word. I'm excited about bragging on Jesus. I'm excited just to be celebrating with you. Um, I, I want to give you an update before, we, before I get into the text. Um, this is still bragging on Jesus, though. You see, um, we, we, you know, we don't know how long this is going to take, man, um, being in this live stream experience, uh, worshiping remotely, virtually. You know, we, we don't know how long it's going to be. And I know for many of us, it's been taxing. If you're with me in, the, in that at home, raise your hand. If you're feeling like, I'm just ready to get out. I'm ready to uh, meet some people. You know, you see people on the street. You go out for a walk. You're like, it's humanity, right? And so, hey, we're with you on that. We're excited and anxious to get back together. And whenever it's going to happen, I don't know what it's going to be like. But it's going to be lit here, right, at the brook. So, But because of everything that's going on with COVID-19, there's also been a lot of anxiety, right? There's been a lot of fear. There's been a lot of stress and anguish. And as a leadership at the Brook, we've been praying, saying, God, how will you um, call us to, uh, to come alongside of people? And so as we've prayed, we've begun to, our, our preliminary plans to, to invest financially in coming to the aid of people around us. So what we've done is this. We've designated uh, $5,000 as a church, as a starter fund to, to bless uh, people in Chicago and beyond. This is what I'm super excited to tell you about. We've partnered together with a collaboration of churches in Chicago, get this, to create something called Chicago Delivers. Chicago Delivers. Uh, there's going to be a slide here in a moment. Chicago Delivers is churches who are funding a movement to get uh, groceries to people into their homes when they themselves are often forced to get out to the grocery store. So as you see here in this, this image, it's the church giving to Chicago Delivers who gets groceries to their homes at chicagodelivers.com. They have raised almost $200,000 already, and we at the Brook have been able to contribute toward that fund. Um, Chicago Delivers is, is there to serve those who are on public assistance and over 60 years old getting groceries to their house. How dope is that? We've been able to give $2,000 toward that, and we pray we can give more. We've also designated another $2,000 to serve the needs in the northwest side, uh, giving groceries and food and and coming alongside of people who've been uh, burdened by COVID-19. And so through that, we've established something that we call the COVID-19 Relief Fund. When you give online, you'll notice a drop-down box and you go down to COVID-19 Relief. The money that is given there will go towards loving people who've been affected by the coronavirus. I'm just super excited by that. In fact, this past week, we've already been able to provide groceries for people in our own church family. One person said this. They were in awe of God's grace. And she said, God answers prayers and even those prayers that don't have any words to them. Man, I was like, that's exactly what it is. God loves his people enough to provide for their means. So we've given 2000 towards Chicago Delivers. We've set aside 2000 to serve those in our church family and those in the northwest side. And then we've also had an eye toward the global church. We've given $500 to Pastor Wilson and the work he's doing in Monrovia, Liberia. 
Liberians, especially those in Monrovia, have to work every day for their food. Literally, they go out in the streets in the morning, they, they, they sell goods, they accumulate money, they'll buy their dinner and come home with it. But imagine when you have a stay-at-home mandate and you can't go out to sell the food, to sell your goods, to get food. And so he said what it's done is created a, a burden on people. And so the $500 we've given will go to coming to the need of the church in Liberia and to others in their community. We've also given another $500 to a brother in Nepal, just northwest, I'm sorry, northeast of India. And he likewise is providing funds for people in his community, buying, buying groceries for them while they themselves can't go out onto the market. Church, I'm just so excited. And what we want to do We want to see this COVID-19 relief fund increase and so that we can continue to be generous to the northwest side, to those who are serving the south and west side of Chicago, and to the global church around the world. Are you guys down with me on this? I hope you said yes at your home because I feel that's what you're saying to me. Um, I'm excited about it. The risen Jesus is about changing people's lives. He does so tangibly, but more so he does so spiritually. And Jesus has changed my life. And that's how we're going to continue to praise him this morning. I want to pray yet again. I want to pray that as we open God's word, as we set our, our eyes now to our own hearts, I want to ask that God would continue on that merciful work to, uh, to work in us. All right? Would you bow your heads and hearts with me as I pray? Father in heaven, uh, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercies that are new every morning. And God, I pray for those who are watching right now. Lord, I know that some are very much weighed down and burdened by life right now. Some are anxious because they're sick. Some are weary because of finances. Some are just tired of being home. Some are just tired of being alone. And Lord, I thank you that the Jesus who changes lives yesterday is a Jesus who can change a life today. And as we open your word, Lord, I pray that your spirit would fall upon us and that we would have a real sense that you are with us. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, if you have your app, I would love for you to meet me in the book of Acts, A-C-T-S, the book of Acts chapter 2. We all are longing for life change. And at the heart of Easter is a message of the fact that God is in the business of changing lives still today. I have loved watching so many of your videos as you've posted them on social media using the hashtag Jesus Changed My Life. Um, I've heard some of you tell stories of how God freed you from, um, from, from perfectionism, freed you from the opinions of other people, freed you from this understanding that, that God and joy cannot coexist. He freed you from your sins, freed you from death. And I want to encourage you to continue posting those stories throughout the day, 60 seconds, one minute video of how Jesus changed your life. God is about giving us new beginnings from depression, from anxiety, from addiction and destructiveness, from fears and joyless living, and ultimately a new beginning from our sin. In the book of Acts chapter 2, we find someone sharing this very truth, and his name is Peter. The book of Acts is a book about the spread of the gospel through the church. 
In Acts chapter 2, it takes place on what's called the Day of Pentecost. The Day of Pentecost took place 50 days after Passover. The Passover is where Jesus celebrated uh, the, the exiting out of Egypt of Israel. And Jesus was with his disciples, and that was a Thursday night. The following day, he was arrested, betrayed, and crucified Good Friday. Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday morning, and 50 days after his uh, Last Supper was Pentecost. Peter is here with the disciples who have now been filled with the Holy Spirit and are speaking about God's wonderful things in all kinds of languages. And people are like, y'all must be crazy. I don't know what you're saying because they don't understand that language, but others are hearing them in their own language. And Peter's like, look, look, let me tell you what's going on. Some of y'all think we're drunk, but it's only 9 a.m. We ain't drinking like that. Peter goes on to say in chapter 2, verse 22, these words. I'm going to read them for us. Peter basically tells them that Jesus is still in the business of changing lives. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified. And killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up. Can you say raised him up? God raised him up. Loosing the pains of death. Because it was not possible. Can you say not possible? It was not possible for him to be held by it. If you jump down to verse 29, Peter just quoted Psalm 16. He says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence that the patriarch David that he both died and was buried in his tomb and is with us to this day, his tomb. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set out one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses This is God's word. On the day of Pentecost, Peter is explaining to people the fact that Jesus is still alive. He's explaining to them that death could not hold him down. He's explaining to them that through Jesus' resurrection, he can change even their lives and free them and save them from their own sin. And he does so by giving them three, or sorry, four extraordinary facts. Four extraordinary truths that they themselves needed to know about Jesus and about what he demands of them. The four same things God wants each of us to hear this Easter morning. Because Easter, yes, it's fun to dress up. Yes, it's fun to take pictures. Yes, it's fun to eat some candy. It's fun to celebrate. But if you notice, a lot of the things that we've placed value upon for Easter have been taken from us this 2020, hasn't it? But what it's done is God has allowed for us now to make the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is this. We see in verse 22. is first of all that Jesus lived an extraordinary life. We need to know this. Peter says, men of Israel in verse 22, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. 
He mentions Jesus' extraordinary life. But he first says some pretty ordinary truths. First of all, he's like, Jesus, he had a name. He was from Nazareth, which is a small town in Galilee. He was a man, Peter says. These are quite ordinary things. But then Peter goes on to say, but he was a man attested to you by God. The word attested means he was revealed to be genuine. God was revealing something about Jesus that was beyond the ordinary. We need to know this. And what he says is this. God attested to you uh, these things about Jesus. His mighty works, his wonders, and his signs. The word mighty works is actually one word in original Greek, which means his miraculous demonstration of power. Think of the fact that Jesus calmed the storm by his word. What Peter is doing here is he's saying, look what Jesus did. That ain't ordinary. The word wonders brings to mind those kinds of things that arouse astonishment. Think of when Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. Undeniable. The word signs refers to spiritual truths that are demonstrated through actions. Think of when Jesus looks at the paralyzed man and he says, your sins are forgiven. And the religious leaders all around are like, who does this man think he is that he could forgive sins? And Jesus says, what's more difficult to say your sins are forgiven or to tell a paralyzed man to get up and walk? But so that you know that I have the authority to forgive sins, I'm going to tell you, get up and walk. The sign spoke a truth. And what Peter says here is that Jesus was no extra, was no, I'm sorry, no ordinary man. But in fact, he lived an extraordinary life. But notice this. Peter says at the end of verse 22, he says, these things are true as you yourselves know. I find this statement astonishing. Peter is telling the crowd In Jerusalem, gathered on this great celebration of Pentecost, thousands of people present. Peter is telling them this. He says, Jesus did works, wonders, and signs, but none of y'all deny that. He says, this you yourselves know. What Peter is basically saying is, nothing of what I said is controversial just yet. I find that astonishing because the people in Jerusalem crucified Jesus, shouted, crucify him, crucify him, while knowing that he did these great signs. Wow. For them, their rejection of Jesus was not about the facts of what he did because the facts were there. But it was about the unbelief of their heart. You might be here today watching this Easter service, exploring and trying to understand if you do or don't believe. And what Peter is saying to the crowd is what we find to be true of many in our culture. Many are not necessarily unconvinced of Jesus' existence, but most people are simply unconvinced of their need for him. It's not a matter of understanding or facts, but it's a matter of faith and repentance. Many in our day, and maybe this is you today, are saying, yeah, I can get down with the fact that Jesus died on the cross, even that he rose from the dead. But I'm not sure I get down with the fact that I could give him my life. It's not that I don't believe what you're saying. I just don't know if you're telling the truth you might be saying. You see, what happens is 
Many of us are confronted with the fact that Jesus did these signs, and even those in his own day didn't deny it. But what they did deny was their need for him. And Peter says, look, Jesus lived an extraordinary life. Peter goes on to say a second key truth in verse 23, that Jesus died an extraordinary death. Look what he says. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Again, Peter's saying some quite ordinary things. Jesus was seen to be a criminal. He was punished for his crimes. He ultimately took a last breath on a cross. Those were ordinary things that people do. But Peter goes on to say there's some extraordinary things also attached to Jesus' death. Because look what it says here. Who does Peter put the responsibility for, for Jesus' death? Who does Peter say brought Jesus to the cross? Well, on the one hand, he says, you crucified him, doesn't he? And he says, you did so by lawless men. The you that Peter's referring to are the Jewish crowds. You were the ones who asked for his death sentence. But the lawless men were also the Romans who brought forth the sentence. In many ways, the crowds and the Romans represent you and I. Because ultimately it was our sin that put Jesus there. Because Jesus went to the cross at the hands of sinful people. But that was not the only reason he went to the cross, Peter says. Because if you notice, I skipped over the part where Peter says this. This Jesus delivered up according to the what? Definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Who took Jesus to the cross? Yes, it was sinful men. But yes, it was a holy God. Peter says it was God's definite plan for Jesus to go to the cross. You see, God understood that we had a problem. And that problem is called sin. There are sins that we commit. We call those sins of commission, things that we do. There are also good that we omit. We call those sins of omission, things that we don't do that we ought to do. And there's also sins of our heart, things that we actually haven't done, but that resonate in our being. And these are the things that deserve punishment from a holy God. But notice here, I find this crazy. That still doesn't mean that Jesus needed to die. Because God could have remained in his throne room, Father, Son, and Spirit, and left us to die. So what about God's plan took Jesus to the cross? This is what blows me away. It was God's love for these kinds of people. Jesus didn't, wasn't, wasn't compelled to die on a cross because he had some responsibility, but he was compelled by his love and his own character and his own glory to go to the cross to save people like you and me. Love will cause someone to do some crazy things, won't it? When our daughter was but a baby, she had a stuffy nose. And we tried everything we could to get out her snot. She was too young to blow her nose. She was just a few months old. And yet she kept gagging on her snot. And we, we became 
concerned, saying, is she going to keep gagging? What if she vomits? What are some other things? And I said, you know what? I love this little girl a lot. These snot devices, we even had a battery-operated snot device that could not suck it out. So what did I do? I opened my mouth, and I put my face over her nose, and I sucked it out and spit it out. Love will make you do some crazy things. In fact, this past week, I heard of someone in our church family who drove an hour to drop off communion elements to their brother and sister. Love will make you do some crazy things. And here it was God's love that caused him to have this plan to save people that he created who crucified the creator. This is what Easter is about. That God in his love through his definite plan and foreknowledge would die on a cross. Jesus lived an extraordinary life. Jesus died an extraordinary death. But that doesn't stop there because here we are on Sunday. Jesus defeated an extraordinary foe. You got to see what it says here in verse 24. God, it says, raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. You got to understand something about death. Death is like a crocodile doing its death row. No one escapes its grip. Death is a stingy foe. It takes with no intention a giving back. Death has an appetite that is gluttonous. It's never quite fully satisfied. It's always wanting at least one more bite, one more soul. As the Puerto Rican playwright Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote in Hamilton, death doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints, but it takes and it takes and it takes. It takes the religious and the reckless. It takes the faithful and the criminal. Death knows we have a debt to pay, and we can't talk ourselves out of it, and we can't walk ourselves out of it, and we can't work ourselves out of it. But even more alarming is that death has a close relative called damnation. Sin leads to death, and death leads to damnation. Death is a stingy foe. And here, Jesus, the Son of God, fully God and fully man, is in death's grip. But what Peter says in verse 24 is that God loosened the pains of death. What Peter just said ought to be music to our ears. He's saying death does not get the final word. He says death gets muzzled. Death gets silenced. Death's dinner plate is not allowed a second serving because of Jesus. Because once we die, we too will be raised with Jesus through faith in Jesus. So because of Jesus, death does not get to sink its teeth in us. Damnation does not get to cause us to die forever. In fact, damnation becomes hungry and thirsty while we hunger and thirst no more in glory. That's what Jesus has done for us. Damnation will be quarantined while we walk freely in glory with Jesus. Peter says Jesus has loosened the pangs of death by coming up from the grave. The word pangs is the same word used for a woman in labor. 
What Peter is saying is the tomb was like a woman's uterus. And when she is ready to give birth, she could not hold that baby in no more. And what Peter is saying, that tomb held Jesus in there long enough. Friday, Saturday, but on Sunday, it had to let him out because enough was enough. He is the almighty son of God. Peter says it was not possible. Notice that. For him to be held by it. It was impossible for Jesus to stay dead. There's a lot of impossible things for us as humans. It's impossible for us to fly with our arms. It's impossible for us to swim to the ocean floor without being crushed. It's impossible for us to breathe in outer space without any help. It's impossible for us to outrun a cheetah. It's impossible for us to not touch our face. Am I right? It's impossible for us to not judge our mirror for getting a haircut when we are here looking all raggedy with our DIY cuts, right? You with me? There's a lot of things that are impossible. But one thing that's not impossible in our minds is for someone who's dead to stay dead. In fact, we expect that. And yet Peter says of Jesus, it was not possible For this dead one to stay dead. It was in fact impossible. While you are stuck at home, it was impossible for Jesus to be stuck in the tomb. In fact, Peter goes on in verse 32. He says, this Jesus God raised up and that we are all witnesses. He says, we actually saw the resurrected Jesus. First, it was Mary Magdalene. Then it was the other women. Then it was the apostles. Then it was Thomas. Then it was, according to Paul, more than 500 people at one time. And then it was Paul himself on the road to Damascus. Jesus is alive and hundreds of people saw him after his resurrection. And not one, not one, not one document of antiquity says otherwise. None of Jesus' enemies, none of his haters. Why? Because Jesus is alive. It was our sin that took him to the cross. And it's our sin that allows death for us to lead to damnation. But it was Jesus' resurrection that brings forgiveness for our sins and eternal life. But notice here, this is not automatically applied to all of humanity. Apart from Jesus, we are still damned to hell. And the people who heard Peter's first sermon began to feel that weight in their soul. And in verse 37, they cry out. They were cut to the heart. And they said, brothers, what shall we do? And what does Peter say? In verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What Peter is saying is that Jesus can change your life. How does Peter know this? Well, Peter himself was a recipient of this. Because it was this same Peter 50 days earlier who had a really bad Friday. It was this Peter who fell asleep when he ought to have been praying for his best friend. It was this Peter who cut off the ear of a soldier thinking Jesus came for a revolution and had it all wrong. Yeah. 
It was this Peter who denied his best friend, Jesus, his Savior, not once, not twice, but three times. And it was this Peter who received Jesus' forgiveness after the resurrection. If If Peter had an Instagram, he would say, Jesus changed my life. He'd post his 60-second story, and he would tell you of what he's done. And here on the day of Pentecost, he's telling them and he's telling you the way that you could be forgiven is if you repent. That means turn away from your sins and turn to God and believe upon Jesus and demonstrate and proclaim your belief through the public act of getting baptized. Peter's like, that's what people do who have been changed. Well, notice there in verse 41, what happens? 3,000 souls were saved. 3,000 people were convinced of Peter's message. But I love how Luke the writer says this. 3,000 souls were saved. Not 3,000 subscribers. Not 3,000 followers. Not 3,000 Facebook friends. Not 3,000 viewers. But 3,000 souls. Because at the heart of Easter... God has placed an identity upon us. He has validated who we are, and he acknowledges the fact that you are a soul. You are an eternal soul, and you will live forever, either in eternal death and damnation or in eternal life with Jesus. And this is what God is offering on Easter, is life and life abundantly. This is what Easter is all about. Well, How could I sum all this up? This extraordinary life, extraordinary death, extraordinary defeat, and yes, this extraordinary response. I want you to imagine something here with me. Imagine the hours before joy erupted on Sunday. It's Sunday morning, early morning. It's still dark. The dawn, the morning sun concealed. The tomb is sealed. The earth is still. A dead Jesus laid behind the stone. Dark, alone, quiet, cold. Uncertainty filled minds like rain clouds the sky. What would happen after hope was crucified and died? Time passed by Friday, Saturday, and now it's Sunday. Imagine the moments before Joy erupted. It's Sunday morning, early morning, but now it's only kind of dark. Light is on the horizon. The concealed sun is now more revealed. The sealed tomb gave way to the quake. The earth shakes. The stone rolled from its place. Peek inside. The body's not in its place. Imagine the moment when joy erupted. When death lost its grip, when sin met its match, when Satan had to sit and it was Jesus' time to stand. Imagine with me, the father on the throne, face glowing, that's my boy. The spirit eager to announce the unparalleled joy. It's Sunday morning, early in the morning. When the sun rose, the sun rose. He was concealed, but now he's revealed. He was dead on arrival, but now he's arrived from the dead. The women see him first, burst with tears. The twelve see him next, vanquishing their fears. He lived an extraordinary life. 
He died an extraordinary death. He conquered an extraordinary foe. He passed extraordinary test. Have you seen him yet? Take a peek in the tomb. And like a flower, watch your faith bloom. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Father God, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. And we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior. I thank you that he lived the life we couldn't live and died the death that we deserved. I thank you that he conquered the foe that we had nothing against. And Lord, I pray that our extraordinary response would be, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I want to live for you. God, I pray that this Easter would be a day of new life for many. And that many who did not have a Jesus change my life story yesterday have one now today because of Jesus. God, I pray that you would do a work in the hearts of those men, women, children, the youth who are watching now. And God, I ask, I ask, oh Lord, that you would give faith, that you would give repentance, and that that would lead to eternal life. Oh Lord, we love you and we thank you for your love because you loved us first. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Please rise to your feet as we sing this closing song, church. Oh, what a declaration. What a song we've got to sing. We've been liberated from our bondage. Father, we thank you. We thank you that when we could not get ourselves out of our sin predicament, you sent Jesus to do it for us. God, I pray that we would walk by faith, that we would not walk by our sight, When days are uncertain, I pray that we would hold on to our certain hope, our anchor, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. I pray that we would walk then by the power of the Spirit throughout our days, Lord, with our eyes set upon you, knowing that this earth is not our home. We're just passing through it. Oh, Lord, we love you. And we give you this praise, this song, and our prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Can you give God a hand clap in your house? Can you give God a shout of praise in your home, in your living room, in your bedroom, wherever you're at? And would you let that praise go out onto wherever you're at via social media, through text or phone call? Would you FaceTime with someone today and tell them about this good news of Jesus? Before I just want to let you go here, I just want to remind you all to connect with us through our real communities and Zoom. Um, if you don't know about that, please email us at info at thebrookshy.com or post it somewhere here. Let us, let us know that you're interested. We want to connect you because uh, in this time, we can't live in isolation. We need our brothers. We need our sisters. We need our friends and family around us. Church, we're going to continue moving forward. God has got us because Jesus is alive. He is risen He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God bless you, church. You are dismissed. We'll see you all soon.